BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Elisa Pressman, and today I'm excited for us to keep talking with Dr. Joshua Sparrow. Right now we're talking about helping kids cultivate positive self-regard and a particular parenting trap that is all too common. In fact, in real time, I realized it was something I hadn't thought about, which is the problem with saying, just try your best. Dr. Sparrow is a child, adolescent, and general psychiatrist. He's an associate professor of psychiatry at the Harvard Medical School and the director of the Brazelton Touchpoint Center and author of so many incredible parenting books, and co-author of some extraordinary parenting books with Dr. T. Barry Brazelton. Do not forget to subscribe to my new exclusive premium content on Apple Podcasts. You just go to Apple Podcasts, go to Raising Good Humans like you always do to get your podcast, and you can click, and I have exclusive content that isn't on these regular episodes. It's more like a masterclass by topic and they're pretty short, easy to digest. You get them every Wednesday. Right now, the topic is discipline. The next series is going to be all about cultivating resilience. Just go try it out. It's $2.99 a month, less than a cup of coffee. If you enjoy this episode, don't hesitate to write a review and help me spread the word. When kids And teenagers, even younger children, interpret the world with the least generous interpretation. There is an interpretation of the world, of a teacher's response to them, of something that happened that day, of other people's perceptions. How you can support kids to shift that perspective without disregarding that perspective as their lived experience. I guess I think about it as the capacity for positive self-regard. I think that's what you're talking about, the capacity for positive self-regard. You were talking about other metaphors. I think about that as being a ship in the seas, and sometimes it's clear sailing, and sometimes there is a storm, and the wind blows really strong, and you sort of almost get tipped over, and then the storm passes, and you can pull yourself back up again and keep going. And And I think of it that way because I think we all go through those moments of thinking, wow, I really did a horrible job of that. We all come out of a conversation or something that we had to do and think and, you know, feel some degree of 
mortified or humiliated <laughs> or embarrassed or ashamed or disappointed in ourselves. Or I, I can't imagine that any of us really escape that. And if we did, then we would probably also be lacking the flexibility to get to some kind of more balanced self-assessment, which might be, well, yeah, actually you did kind of screw that up. Or, right. Like how do we get that realistic appraisal of ourselves yeah. and have positive regard if we bend in the direction of just wrecking ourselves constantly? Yeah. I mean, I say capacity for positive self-regard because I don't think we should expect it to be a permanent state. Like we're not always going to be feeling positive about ourselves. Which that, is a good um, Yeah, it's not realistic and it's probably not a good idea, right? There are sometimes when, you know, the reality is, well, yeah, actually, I probably should be ashamed of myself or yeah, I probably should feel guilty about that. I mean, you know, think about, no, but think about the times when, you know, you got really mad and you blew up at somebody like road rage or in a store or something and you thought, I'm that poor person, like, wasn't their fault? Or like, I don't even know what their intent was. And like, I really lost it probably because, you know, I was feeling bad about something totally unrelated. And yeah. You know, I feel bad that I did that to that person. Like that wasn't that, you know, so so the capacity for positive self-regard actually opens up space to be able to hold the fact that we're not perfect and we do mess up, you know, and we do things that we don't feel good about and shouldn't really, right? I mean, that's because well, we're, we're not perfect. So I think one of the problems is when we feel like, as parents, our job is for our kids to always be happy. We try to relieve them of any kind of distress that, you know, maybe is important for them to feel. So, for example, we have in our culture these sports very early on that put one child in front of all the others to be humiliated. So, you know, when you're six and you strike out and the person before you, like, hit a home run, you feel really horrible. But, you know, for a parent to say, well, you'll hit a home run next time. Not necessarily. No. no, yeah. So what actually is closer to the reality that the child needs help facing? You know, in the first is, well, yeah, it feels really bad when you don't do as well as you want to. And there may be, you know, if that was the last out of that inning, it feels really bad. About, but And then it might be, but guess what? Two other people made the first two outs, right? And the inning before that, there were three other people who made outs. And so... Yeah, you made it out. It doesn't feel good and we're not going to make it feel good, but we can sort of, you know, begin to take perspective of it so it isn't this life-threatening catastrophe. So then you can feel like, so you can walk away with a sense of, yeah, I did strike out and, you know, our team got out that time. I don't feel great about that, but I'm not going to sort of take myself down. And it's important to be able to then get up to bat the next time, right? And getting up to bat next time won't be, I am necessarily going to do any better. You know, I'm going to get up to bat next time and I might strike out again. And I'm not, you know, and I also think try your hardest or try your best. What a high bar that is. How many grownups actually are always trying their best and always trying their hardest? I think it's a really high standard to hold. You know, you'll get up there, you know, figure out like what you need to do to try to make it happen. And if it doesn't, you can think about like, you know, what are the things that would help you? But I mean, you can't really get growth and learning if it's all bad and I'm really terrible at everything and so I can't even face it or, you know, it's all good and we're not going to really face the reality that actually, I, you know, I had a hard time with that.
so I don't know if that's a very good example. You said developmentally and you can go older, you can go younger, but it is the same thing about in a way, not jumping into fix or rescue and leaving space for the child to have the feeling and then to sort of be there with the child's feeling. And if you think of the goal, one of the goals being to handle the feeling Mm -hmm. and then to be able to put into perspective, like, what does it really mean about me and who I am? I mean, it might be, I'm not a very good baseball player right now. Does it mean I never will be? Well, no, you could actually get good. At fewer six, there's still a chance, you know, you can learn sort of what's hard for you and get better. Mm-hmm. If you're 16 and you didn't get on the football team, you probably won't be playing, pro, you know, professional. And we have to learn how to accept that about ourselves, right? Like you probably wanted to be a rock and roll star. You probably could have, but I don't know. At some point you had to say, well, I've only got 10 more years to make that happen. Right. Right. So what I think I'm hearing is we're first allowing space to have that feeling instead of arguing with that feeling. Like you're going to next time. You're validating it. Yeah. So validating that feeling and then helping walk through a more realistic appraisal of what is happening versus trying to be extreme on either side of like, well, I guess this isn't your thing and you're the worst or that person is the, you know, you're right, that teacher hates you. Or if you just try your hardest, you can be in the pro team or whatever it is. What you just said, in addition, well, let me just make sure that I interpreted you correctly. Yeah. And I'm thinking, for example, about when you get things wrong on a homework assignment or a test, that's where you get to learn. And if you can't face the stuff you got wrong and say, oh, that's the stuff I really got to figure out, you know, what I didn't get you're not going to ever learn it. And so if, you know, parents react by saying, well, you know, the question was too hard or it wasn't fair for the teacher to ask their hair, or we'll go talk to the teacher and make sure that, you know, she gives you credit for that. The child doesn't get to say, well, yeah, actually, I didn't really understand how you do that operation in algebra or whatever it is. And so, and I think if the child knows, the parents are like, well, great, you got a couple of things wrong. If you knew it already, that's probably the wrong class for you. Let's look at those three things or get someone who knows stuff that I don't. So you can figure out what is this telling you about the thing you need to work on. Once the child knows, you know, you're not judging their worth. This is an opportunity for learning because we all make mistakes that can teach us. I mean, already, I think that, you know, helps build this capacity for positive self-regard. Like, yeah, I got kind of tipped over the side a little bit, but I'm going to get myself straight again and sort of go back in there and ask the teacher, can you help me understand what it was that I didn't get about this. Not, you know, I don't get why I think you're right and I'm right and you're wrong, but I want to understand what this is telling me. So yeah, it's really important. And I guess it is related to the way that you were framing boundaries. And what if your child rejects your interpretation and rolls their eyes or just get doesn't want to talk about it? Do you think they're hearing you anyway over time? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, it might be that your interpretation didn't join them with what they're feeling at that moment. That's a really you know, great If you're trying to make them feel better or put into perspective and they're just feeling like, God, that was the most humiliating thing that ever, could ever happen to anybody in the history of the universe, they might not be ready to hear you trying to move them up to a little slightly <laughs> less dramatic right. place. You know, they might need you to be saying, you know, sounds like, you know, you're feeling really bad about this. And that's all you can do in that moment. So that might be, so they may not be able to hear it. I think, yeah, if they say, if they show you, no, that's not really 
touching it, I think, to sort of look at, well, did I sort of miss where they're at? And that's okay. We're, you know, you're, it's an experiment really. And so then yeah. you try something else and, yeah, and say, I guess I didn't realize how bad you were feeling and I'm sorry. You know? And once you can get to where that place is, then they're more open to, you know, well, let's think about like what really happened here. And right. It doesn't all have to happen at the same time. And what can we do yeah. in our response to our own shortcomings in front of our kids and our own interpretation? Like, what are the things that you imagine? And all of this is not to say that the onus is completely on parents. It just isn't. It can't be. It's too much pressure. But if you reverse it to how cool that some of the onus is on us and that there is something we can do, I find that very relaxing, just anything mm-hmm. that is in our control. So if it's in our control to think about our responses to our interpretations of the world or how we talk about things, what are ways that are not threatening to our kids because they're not even about our kids that might get into the water in our households? This may not be what you have in mind, and there may be other things, but I'm kind of thinking of how we are who we are and how we model our own assessment of how we're doing. So, you know, if we as adults are always self-deprecating and always taking ourselves down a notch and, you know, and I think we can do that in front of our children, that'll make it harder. Yeah, we can, right? And, or if we have to be the best at everything and perfect everything, have the biggest salaries or the biggest house or the biggest cars or the best career or whatever, that can also make it hard. So I think, you know, being able to be, I guess, honest and real. I mean, I, I don't think that we can or should tell our children everything, but to the extent that we can share sort of where we've made our own progress in that kind of balance, you know, where, where we can say sometimes, yeah, that's one of those things that I'm not really very good at. And, you know, I'm working on it and making a little bit of progress, but it's hard for me. Right. I mean, that, right. That's different than being, you know, I'm the best or like I'm terrible at this and I always will be. And it might be, you know, something that we're pretty sure we're not going to get very good at. There are some things like that at some point where it might be. Yeah. You know, that's something that has been hard for me for a really long time. And I've kind of just gotten used to the idea that, you know, that won't be the thing that won't be the thing that I'm best at of all the things that I want to be good at. I'm going to have to. That's OK. Right. Because I think parents of kids around puberty and older do face that dilemma with their kids where the kids like want to be, you know, have the starring role in the musical or something and they don't get it but where they want to perform athletically or musically. And they're just really not where their classmates are who are getting those roles. I wouldn't, as a parent, say, well, I guess that's never going to happen for you. I wouldn't say that because I don't know. But right. I would want to leave room for them to wonder about that because little by little, we do have to adjust our expectations for ourselves. And that's mm-hmm. part of growing up. So if they started to say, you know, I just don't know if I'm ever going to be good enough, I wouldn't say, oh, well, no, you can, <laughs> you know, you, you can definitely get there too. Just try out next year. You just say, you know, I can see how you're feeling that way because you tried so hard and it didn't happen. And then you're just leaving them room over time mm-hmm. to do what we all have to do ultimately, which is to say there are some things that we're just not going to be that good at that we wish we were. Yeah. I mean, I have um, a long list of those things. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> and a quick break so I can tell you about my sponsors. It's that time of year we're thinking about holiday gifts. And it's hard to come up with good ideas that keep everybody excited. 
KiwiCo knows a thing or two about delivering fun for all ages, and they are here to help you give awesome. With KiwiCo subscriptions, you're giving so much more than a toy. They're going to get a season of discovery and experiences delivered straight to their door and get to think about you every month when they do it. Each box is a kid-approved box by a crew of kid testers to ensure that they're age-appropriate and fun. All the products are such a blast when you just want to dive into being a kid again. Like we did decoupage because it's just so soothing to sit there with a project that you're doing and kind of dive in and just have like the sensory experience of getting your hands in this artwork. And as parents, sometimes, and I know we don't like to admit this, sometimes it feels like too much to come up with something to do with the kids or to let them be off on their own because you're afraid they're going to go on screens or not come up with something to do. And so it's kind of nice and relaxing to have KiwiCo. Your child can get cool hands-on science, art, and geography projects, and you can have a cup of coffee or join them. Give awesome this holiday season with KiwiCo. Get your first month of any crate line free at kiwico.com slash humans. That's your first month free at kiwico.com slash humans. PM Pediatric is the nation's largest provider of pediatric urgent care with convenient access to world-class pediatric experts at 77 locations nationwide. And each PM Pediatric Care location is staffed with specially trained pediatric experts who can treat everything from injuries that require stitches to broken bones to infections to asthma. I recently had PM Pediatric Care's senior medical advisor, Dr. Christina Johns, on Raising Good Humans to talk about pediatric care emergencies, the most common things that they see and what to know about them. PM Pediatric Care also offers a program that addresses myriad behavioral concerns called PM Behavioral Health. And sometimes when you feel like you don't know where to turn and you know that there's something that's going on, it can be really hard to find a specialist. Just like if there's an emergency, when you have a kid who's got a broken bone and you don't want to sit in the waiting room of the emergency room, PM Pediatric Care has got you covered. For more information about PM Pediatric Care and a list of locations, visit pmpediatriccare.com. If you can't reach your primary care physician, but you don't want to sit in the emergency room, PM Pediatric Care is so helpful. And you can go online and find the 77 locations nationwide to make sure you've got coverage. I'm stuck on something that you said, and I'm really excited that you said it, which is the doing your best and trying your hardest, not being a realistic pressure all the time because it's so funny the other day my daughter showed me a tiktok that some still my this is my 10th grader showed me a tiktok of a kid who said when you have the parents that say just do your best honey but you want straight a's she always sends me tiktoks making fun of me But I think like I clearly am one of those parents that's it's never occurred to me until you just said that, that even embedded in my just do your best is pressure because that's a thing too. like try your hardest, do your best is still like a thing that has never occurred to me in all these years. In fact, 
I'm loath to put this on the podcast, but I will, because that is like such an interesting point. And I need you to say more because you're totally right. But it never occurred to me. Well, someone said that to me at some point. Someone just said, that's a really high bar. And I thought, wow, I never thought of that. And it sort of stayed with me. And, you know, the truth is there are pressures in our world, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we can or should protect our children from all of that. But if we're talking about, it's really important for kids to build real skills and real competencies. And I actually think that's more important than saying good job or a lot of external praise. I think the way sure. you know, children feel positive about themselves is because they actually get pretty good at some stuff. Not yeah, the best like, and not perfect, but they get good at it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, competent. I think that to, to be truly competent and not because your parents are trying to make you feel better, but truly competent yeah. makes you feel good. So there's that pressure, which is partly internal and partly external, right? I mean, we, there are things that we want to be good at because like we're really internally motivated, but there may also be a external reason why that's important. So just, I think, try your best or try your hardest. I don't think it really touches those things. And, you know, for the child to think about why does this matter to you? Well, it's because, you know, I know someday I'm going to have to be able to make it to high school. And so I know I have to be able to pass this class. Well, that's a good thing to feel pressure about because it's true, right? Or I want to feel like I can sort of be in the mix with my classmates and being competent. Well, that's a realistic thing. Or some internal thing like I love doing this, like let's take figure skating and I want to be really good at Well, that's a good thing. But I just, I just don't think try your best or try your hardest. It, I don't think it really touches, like, why does this matter to you? I don't think it's just about your internal motivation, because sometimes things have to matter to you, even if you're not motivated, right? Yes. Like, you might really not be motivated to take the SAT exam, but your idea is it would be ultimately a better thing for me to have a college degree than not to, which may or not be true. But if it is true for you, that that's what you're thinking. The external pressure to do well in that exam may be all there is, right? So I, I'm not saying don't bother about anything that doesn't come from internal motivation because the world doesn't work that way. But I don't, just don't think try your hardest or try your best, really, you know, and then what happens if they try their hardest or try their best and then they don't succeed? Well, I mean, I don't really know quite how that illuminates things. Well, it might be you tried your hardest, but if no one ever helped you recognize that when you're holding the bat and the ball's coming at you, you have to follow the ball with your eyes to the bat. Because if you just swing and you're still looking out there, you're going to miss it. You might've tried your hardest, but there was like a skill that was missing there. So yeah, so I'm just not sure how helpful it is, but it does feel like a kind of pressure. But I'm not saying that we can protect ourselves or children from pressures because, you know, we have them. And, well, yeah. I mean, it's what's interesting to me is I'm I'm sure that I say it because I don't want my kids to be fixated on their grades. But clearly hmm. they're fixated on their grades despite that. So they're reading yeah. something else in right. that sentence that has been, you know, like they feel like, well, great. Now I have to give myself the pressure because you're not giving it to me. 
But actually, I think I am pressuring them because I am setting that bar high because they know that if they try their hardest, there is another that is also saying get straight A's. Like there is, and it never occurred to me before, but Mm. that sort of might be a thing that I've never noticed in my entire mm. life as a parent. So thank you. <laughs> but I think that I'm not the, I'm not alone in using no. that. I think mm. a lot of us use that phrase in the most well-meaning way. I'm not going to be hard yeah. on myself. I'm really just no. curious and interested, but I like asking questions like what matters to me and what matters to you. And also acknowledging what matters to you may not be the internal drive because there are external reasons why you're going to do a lot of things. So all of that is much more nuanced than just do your best and make sure you try your (laughs) hardest, which really, it's so true. It is such a high bar. And I'm so, I mean, I can't believe that this never occurred to me. What is happening? It didn't ever, I mean, someone, honestly, someone did just say it to me once. I thought, that's really interesting. Never thought of that. And I just held on to it. But I mean, I think- you know, you. and I'd love to listen to your thinking about it because I actually hadn't thought about all of its implications. And it does seem like it would allow us to come alongside. So if you think about the grades issue, for example, so why does getting straight A's matter to you? I can think of three things off the top of my head. Well, because I want to get into a really good college. So, you know, that's an external pressure. And what is a really good college anyway? And maybe it would be more important to get into a college that would be, you know, right for how you learn and what you want to learn about. And then another might be, well, because, you know, my friends get really good grades and it's embarrassing to not do as well. Well, that's understandable. And those are both totally okay motivations. And, but you're then you're sort of with them. Well, we, you know, let's figure out what will help you get where you can and then there might be uh, the way this teacher feels about me matters to me a lot. And when she gives me an A, it just makes me feel really good. That's important, <laughs> right? No, but yeah. seriously. And then the, maybe the fourth one is actually, I love this subject matter. And I just really, it makes me feel good when I feel like I'm really good at it, you know? So, but so then if you have that, then it's like, well, so when you're not able to do, what you would like to be able to do there, then, you know, you can, and if you want my help, we can look at, well, what would help you get there? And sometimes it won't be us as parents who can help, but it might be, we have to sort of start them off with looking at, well, what is it that's gotten in the way or what is it that's been hard? And that may be where there's the place to, well, you couldn't try your hardest because you just broke up with your boyfriend or something. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's not going to be a day where you're going to be able to do your best, right? So this, I mean, <laughs> what am I doing? So I'm very excited <laughs> that this small little moment of a phrase that I've definitely <laughs> put in the water in my household that I'm rethinking something. It's exciting. I mean, it's not ideal because my kids are at an age where it probably has impacted them, but it's pretty cool to figure out that something that I thought was a very comfortable phrase may not be getting across what I meant for it to get across. And I feel like I'm grateful that you just pointed that out to me. It's really interesting. Well, if I could only tell you all the ways that I know that I've screwed up as a parent, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not saying that you have, like, who knows, like, this might've been the most helpful thing that they could ever hear from you too, right? Well, that said, they have expressed to me that it isn't. 
<laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you could say, well, what is it that's important to you about it? They might say, none of your business, mom, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't take those things particularly personally, so I can handle it, but I had not heard them when they said that phrase was not helpful. Mm. And mm. I heard you, which, mm. you know, that's a whole other thing. I'm going to try to be gen generous with myself and just think about how I will move forward from this instead of go into a place of like, what have I done here? Well, that will inspire me to try to do the same thing <laughs> with me. <laughs> Trust me, it's a lifelong struggle, this positive self-regard thing. <laughs> and a quick break so I can tell you about my sponsor. The holidays are just around the corner. And here is a fantastic gift idea that my family just gave to my grandfather. And it is incredible because at a certain point, you want to give a meaningful gift, but you've had enough of, of the arts and crafts projects. You've done the mugs, you've done all of the things, and you want to give something meaningful, especially if you're not living in the same place as some of your loved ones. That's why Skylight is the perfect gift. Skylight Frame is a photo frame that you can update instantly by email from anywhere. So it's a great way to feel close to those you love, even when you're not with them. It sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. You just plug it in and use the touch screen to connect your wireless network, and that's it. All of a sudden, you've got photos showing up in your Skylight Frame that can come from everyone in the family. Multiple people can even send photos into the frame so you can do a great group gift like we did. It's so simple. So even my non-tech savvy family could set it up and use it. Now, as a special offer, you can get $15 off your purchase of Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter the code HUMANS. That's right. To get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter the code HUMANS. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com, promo code HUMANS. The whole conversation about parenting, whatever that is, is so much of it, I think, is like there's a side door entrance to just parenting ourselves and figuring out what we need to be comfortable and to support comfortable, not like, oh, it always has to feel good, but comfortable with who we are. And the more we feel connected to or motivated to parent in the best way possible, I think we can sort of get to know ourselves better if we lift the pressure of like this myth of perfect parenting. So I guess the purpose of this particular episode is actually turning into a full disclosure of my own <laughs> feeling <laughs> because we're, you know, doing the, well, I'm not going to say the best that we can, but, <laughs> but I think the information that we have or what feels right in one moment can certainly shift. And that is something I'm going to shift. You know, you're also making me realize I have a book on my shelf by um, Bob and Sarah Levine, who are cultural anthropologists, and it's called, I think it's called Do Parents Matter? I think the other pressure on parents over these past couple of decades has been that we maybe matter less than we actually think we do. We do matter. There is a role that we play. We do have influence and, you know, an important place in children's lives. But it may be somewhat overplayed. There are so many other things that matter too. I have mixed feelings about it because to think it doesn't matter 
and which is not what you're saying. It's just mattering. No, it doesn't matter necessarily. Does matter, but- we want to think that it matters enough that we make the effort and that we have hope, but we don't want to give it so much power that we're sitting there thinking every day about what could I have done differently or what should I be doing to the, you know, to tie ourselves in knots where it's actually like that micro amount of shift is not meaningful. And the stress that Mm -hmm. it induces is actually much more harmful. So that space between not mattering and mattering is or mattering a hundred percent or even 50% is a really interesting space. And I struggle with that in terms of like how much information is useful for families and how much is like, you don't really need to worry about that because it's a micro, it's micro content in the life of this child. It's feeding an anxiety of like control that doesn't exist. And I'd like to find the space between because it's important to. Yeah. And I don't at all mean to say that parents don't matter, but I think there's a lot of, there's too much pressure if we think that we can control things that we can't yeah, or can make things happen that we can't or are the cause of things that we may not be the cause of. Exactly. So there is this space in between. And, you know, every now and then I will, you know, hear something that makes me think that is a way that a child is really using what a parent gave them. But sometimes it's a surprise and, you know, wasn't even what the parent thought was going to be the thing. And as you were saying, sometimes, you know, you may say something and the child doesn't seem to hear, but that is the thing that they're able to sort of, you know, land on and build on. And down the road, you realize, yeah, that was the thing actually that I was able to give them as a parent that mattered. But that doesn't happen because you feel pressure or because you think it's all up to you. And I said, you know, there are things like luck or serendipity and fortune and sort of what life throws at you and the combination of your temperament with your child. I mean, there's just all of these things that are beyond our control. And in that regard, you know, maybe we matter because we have to figure out how to roll with things and pull Mm -hmm. ourselves back up again. And that may be what we can help our children do. But that's really different than thinking our importance will be demonstrated by having been able to set them on a path that leads them to the goals that we had them had for them for adulthood. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.